Coach Taku. Making anime your new life coach. Everybody and welcome to this episode of Coach Taku. I'm Mary, and I'm joined by the wonderful, radiant, brilliant house owner, new recently house owner, Christina. <laughs> and today we're really excited to talk about this really popular anime that has this undefeatable character. And this is actually a listener recommendation. It comes from Erwin, with whom I spent quite some time discussing whether Goku or Saitama is actually stronger. We haven't reached a consensus, but I'd love some input and to hear thoughts about that from other view- from other listeners. And if you don't know, we're talking about One Punch. And One Punch is an anime that starts out with this regular guy who is working a nine to five, And he is unhappy with his life. You can just tell from the first episode how unhappy he is just by the way that he's walking and the way he carries himself. He's 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 looking for something different. And then he runs into a monster and he saves this kid and he's like, I'm going to become a hero. And you see a new spark in him. And then he goes off to train by doing 100 sit ups, 100 squats, 100 push ups. A, six, a 10k run every single day for three years and then he becomes invincible like any other monster from then on just one punch is all it takes to knock him out anything i missed christina on that no you nailed it i think the one thing is animating one punch was a labor of love for the studio that took it on because if any of you have ever seen the original manga it's and this is not shade to the artist but it, it's a little rough so um, I can't imagine what it was like for the uh, mangaka to really see these characters come to life in an amazing way. And with that, you know, speaking of coming to life, the coaching topic that we thought would be perfect to discuss in the world of One Punch is actually around life purpose. And let's talk about what I mean by that for a second, because, you know, I find that most people out in the world are in two camps. Either you believe that life purpose is bestowed upon you by some higher power like God or the universe or the big blueberry in the sky or whatever it is that you believe in. And then you've got the other camp where people believe that it's up to us to create our own purpose on the planet. And I want to be super clear, regardless of what camp you're in, this is not a conversation about where purpose comes from. And actually in coaching conversations, we look at life purpose in a really particular way. Because regardless of the camp that you're in, I think most of us, most of the time, relate to a life purpose as our job, what we're meant to be doing, and oftentimes what we're supposed to be fixing about the planet. And for the purpose of this conversation, we're going to chat about where several of our lovely characters in this series of One Punch are a bit victimized by the job that they have on the planet. And what would be possible if they viewed life purpose in a totally different way? Which in this case, what we're suggesting is that life purpose is just a matter of 
living purposefully in your life, reflecting on who you're being on purpose. So rather than my job, you know, my purpose is to bring world peace. What if your purpose was just love or light or joy or what else is available? Anything you want to add to the purpose conversation, Mary? Yes, that we, Christina and I have a really specific tool that we use to connect people to their life purpose. And obviously we can't do this with the characters in the anime, but we can do it with any of our listeners who are interested and want to learn more for themselves what their life purpose is. So for the purposes of this conversation, we're going to just shout out what we see in each of the characters. But if you're called to this and you want to know more, please reach out. Like this is a really fun exercise that we can use with anybody. And it really connects you to something higher. Yeah. So let's get into it. Um, so to start off with the series as a whole, you know, I think any kind of series that reflects on heroics and saving the world, the, the line gets blurred between life purpose being about what you do and life purpose being about who you are. And I don't know about you, Mary, but something that really sticks out to me in the series is that there are so many strong, heroic, capable characters that have motivations, like they have desires, they have goals, but it, it doesn't actually seem like any of them have a clear, larger purpose on the planet. And I feel like as a result, like that absence of having a clearly defined purpose has most of them playing fairly small. And you know me and my visual storytelling, but I feel like one of the best ways to emphasize this is something that is both charming and abrupt about the way that the series is animated is that a lot of the scenes are very simple line art and animation. Like Saitama, for example, who we'll get into a little bit more in a second as the main character, almost looks dopey in most scenes that he's animated in. And it's really only the fights that are super graphic, super dynamic, like suddenly the characters come to life. And what I appreciate about the juxtaposition is I feel like it really matches what I just said, which is most of the time these guys aren't up to all that much. Like they're kind of just like waiting for hopefully a cool fight to come by. And if that's not happening, they're kind of in the more Monday grind of the day to day. Yes. And I think for especially so if we can start, we'll just jump into Saitama, who's our main character. I think where we kind of see that life purpose or the absence of, for me, it strikes me in two scenes and one is with Genos at the beginning. And the other one is actually with King, who's a different character that we'll get to in a, in a little bit. But what I find with Saitama is that he has so much power. And when he's just being, when he's not thinking about saving the world or how he can fix things or how he can become stronger, when he's just being himself, actually have access to this other part of him that shows up with so much wisdom and so much love and care. And in particular, I'm thinking of a scene with King where uh, he goes and he turns around to him and he tells him, and this is one of those parts with the visual storytelling where you actually see a more defined, a more stronger character. And he goes and he tells him, you impose your own limits and you can do whatever you want. And for me, that was the one moment that I was like, you know, what if he wasn't about just becoming the strongest person? What if it wasn't about being bored? What if it was actually about him having a higher purpose? 
such as like being limitless or being light? And how would that kind of change the dynamic for him if he was coming from a place where he's, he, his purpose was to be limitless, to be this guiding light for others? Because what you can see about Saitama is that he has such an impact around the characters around him without even trying. Like he inspires them to be stronger. He inspires them to be bigger. He inspires them to face their fears. But he's not actively doing anything about it. He's just being himself. Yeah. And, you know, Mary, something that strikes me about why that's funny is, um, you know, first of all, if you've made it this far into the episode and you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about One Punch. Saitama is the main character of the series. He's, I'd say, arguably considered the strongest hero in the world. Like he's basically capable of defeating anyone with a single punch. And what I really love about what you just said, Mare, is how he, when he is just being himself, he's capable of inspiring just about anyone. But when he's really focused on like trying to serve this mission of being a hero, he himself occurs as really uninspired. Like, <laughs> I think to me, the, the defining, like the, the thing that really sets the tone for this conversation is in the very first episode, Saitama is up against this seemingly undefeatable foe. And we come to realize that it's a daydream. Like he's actually dreaming about the day that finally someone can come and challenge him again because heroism isn't exciting and fun and new anymore. And that's devastating for him. And so I, I really love where you're looking in, you know, removing his life purpose as, hey, life purpose has to be what you're doing, which is heroism, because there isn't always something to be a hero about. Versus if we just look at who he's being, which is limitless, he gets to be a guide, he gets to be inspiration, he gets to be motivation. Um, one of the most profound things he says in the series, and I got to credit Mary for this because she sent me the quote as we were rewatching, was that human beings are strong because we have the ability to change ourselves. And it's just like, damn, dude, that's like the best fortune cookie ever, you know? <laughs> so... So yeah, like if we were coaching say, um, Saitama, I think we'd definitely be looking at, you know, what about a purpose and limitless, a purpose and guiding light, something outside of like doing the hard work of being an important hero. Yeah, and we could go on with Saitama because I think also one of the things that I found interesting is that when there's a, in the anime, you have to apply to become a hero. And you would think that since he's the strongest character ever, that he would be class s which is like maximum superhero status but ironically he's actually class b which is much lower than class s and you would think that he would mind it more because he knows how strong he is but at the end of the day like that's and i think this is a reflection of something inwardly that he kind of sees but doesn't really have access to yet and it's not about being a hero it's actually about something else and so he doesn't really care about the status that much. And so he leaves like these little breadcrumbs that say, hey, I'm much bigger than this thing. But he actually doesn't articulate it and he doesn't really create a clear awareness around it. So that's the thing that I, I would love to work with him on, Christina. So it's like there's so much juice there. There's so much stuff to work with him on, but it's kind of like undefined in a way. Yeah, and then and we have... 
Ooh. Oh, sorry. I, I just wanted to jump in and say, I think the ambiv- uh, the the lack of definition is what contributes to the ambivalence that seems to surround him as a character most of the time. But please go on. I was going to move on to our next character, but if, you know, I just want to make sure we covered this person, Saitama, and then we're good. Oh my God, please, because I think we're probably going in the same direction. So take <laughs> us away, Mayor. <laughs> Yeah, so then we have Genos, which he's the first disciple, his first Saitama's first student. And Saitama's like, I really don't want students, but Genos is like, no, nah, I kind of want you to be my master <laughs> because you're so strong and I need to learn from you. And Genos is also a really interesting character to look at, especially from this conversation, because we can see from the bat that his motivation is to be strong, but it's almost like out of a desire for revenge and to kind of like fix something that happened to him in his past. Because what we learn about Janos is that as a child, when he was 15, his village was attacked by a cyborg and killed off his, his family, his neighbors, his friends. And as a result, he becomes a cyborg himself almost completely to kind of defeat the evil that got him in the first place. It's this really ironic twist. And I don't know if you can see it, but it's kind of like he's almost becoming the thing that he's trying to fight. And the more that he like becomes cyborg or robotic, the less human he come he becomes. And so I'm so curious to see what happens later on in the story because I think he's such an interesting character. But what I see for Genos in terms of life purpose is that I would love to see him coming from a place of love. Because in those moments, we can see how protective he is, especially of the people he cares about. He also has like this really caring, endearing, kind of quirky side to him. That's really fun to watch. And my question to him would be like, if you actually came from love, practice love, what would that look like? How much more power and strength could you access if you were coming from that place? Good coaching questions coming from the great coach over here. You're on mute. (laughs) We're going to edit that part out. So, you know, Mayor, something else that sticks out for me with Genos as a character is I totally hear where you're looking in the idea of like his life purpose is love. But something that really struck me, like struck me about his character in comparison to uh, Saitama is a moment ago I was saying like uh, Saitama mostly seems ambivalent about things. Like, unless it's like finding the next big baddie that he can defeat, defeat, he isn't motivated by much of anything or inspired by much of anything. And we've talked about how that creates some problems and has him playing small. But I think where Genos is both the opposite in the most extreme way and creates a similar result is he is deeply motivated. But the fuel to his motivation tends to be revenge or strength. And it's not that those things are inherently bad, but we just see the limits of them. And to your point, we see how he has in a way become the very thing that he hates and wants revenge over, which is, you know, I I think that might be the definition of dramatic irony in itself. Um, And so for me, like, I, I totally hear the love part of the conversation, but I might also look at the piece around, like, what if his purpose on the planet was actually connection or even community? Because to your point, I think the essence of who he is, is loyalty, protection, 
strength, like strength can be the revenge quality or also a quality that helps bring people together. And to your point, I have it that when he is connected, you also get that goofier, slightly bashful, embarrassed side of him. And, you know, all of his entire story is fueled by losing the connection and the community that he had in his village. And so I always get curious if he had gone out from that experience, just seeking to rebuild what he lost rather than seeking revenge on who took it from him, how his life could look different for himself. Yeah. I mean, he's, I think what strikes me about Janos too, is that you see how hard he tries to become strong and become stronger than Saitama. And that's the reason that he wants him as master and he can never beat him. And part of the reason that I think he can't beat him is because uh, he's coming from a very disempowered place, a place that's not really authentic to him. So if he were coming from a more authentic place, if he had a purpose that actually fueled his power, fueled his strength, fueled that essence of him, there's so much that he could do. There's so much strength that he could access. I mean, think about when you want to protect someone you love, how much more powerful are you when you're coming from that place versus wanting to get revenge? Yeah, I feel like in that question, you could do, uh, this is a different series entirely, but you could basically do the rundown of Bakugo versus Midoriya in My Hero Academia, which by the way, let us know, season five started airing, let's see, from the time that we're recording, it started airing this past Saturday. I've been tuning in. I know Mary has been watching it. If you want us to cover season five and do another My Hero episode, please let us know because I'd be so down for it. It is the thing that gets me up on Saturdays, giddy like a school kid all over again. But going back to the characters of One Punch, to shift gears a little bit, and this is something else that we could just say overall for the series that's really fun, is life purpose. You bring that up, and it's kind of, it sounds significant. It sounds pretty important, pretty serious, even dramatic. And I think part of why One Punch is a really fun series to talk about this in is the characters themselves are hysterical. It is a very comedic show. And one of the characters that really brings that out for me is Miss Blizzard, who she herself is a class B superhero. And, you know, her, the greatest bane of her existence is her inferiority complex because she happens to have an older sister Tornado, who's an S-class hero. And so you see Miss Blizzard constantly grief-strucken by the fact that her status is not as impressive as Tornado's. And what I find hysterical about this is it creates the inferiority, inferiority complex, it creates imposter syndrome, but in the meantime, she makes sure that she beats out every other hero around her so that she's at least the best B-class hero that anyone else knows, which is just like, that's, it's so funny to me. Like it's stuck in the like, I'm the worst and I'm not good enough, but I'm going to make sure I'm at least the best of those that aren't good enough. Like what a contradiction. I, I, I get a lot of joy from watching her, even though I also want her to have a breakthrough and maybe uh, take the pressure off. How about that? Take the pressure off of herself. She's a really fun character. And I think what strikes me about her is that even in this disempowered, like, 
I'm going to she use she basically creates a little gang of people that go after anyone that may surpass her and she's rough with them. She's like, no, I'm number one and we're going to keep it that way. And she approaches Saitama with the same, <laughs> with the same strategy. And Saitama's like, I don't care what you do. I'm still going to move up and do my thing. And that kind of takes her aback. And what we find about Miss Blizzard is that she's actually really powerful. She's a psychic type. So she has like telekinetic abilities and for me, the question would be like, if it weren't about control, if it weren't about what your sister does or doesn't do, if it were just about you, like, what would you actually do for fun? Like, how would you access your power and your abilities if you weren't trying to be the best at being the worst? You know, what if it was a different conversation altogether? And I think what I find for her is also this life purpose of maybe connection because what we see for her is that she can she's actually a really good leader she created this little gang <laughs> which who's very devoted to her she has like some kind of loyalty to them and vice versa and for purpose I see like home and connection and and something that's actually different than the way that she acts most of the time but I'm curious Christina like what do you see as her life purpose Ooh, so for Miss Blizzard, I think 100% it's got to be in authenticity, especially in authentic power, because I think a lot of what we see is how much Miss Blizzard sees herself and relates to her powers and abilities in comparison to other people. And we've given some examples of that, especially the examples where she compares herself to her sister, Tornado. And so I'd love to see a Miss Blizzard who is just defining power and ability by her own terms and, you know, by her own terms of who she could be in the world and the kind of hero that she could be, which I think brings us to a really great transition for the final character to touch on in this particular One Punch Man episode. Because if we're looking at Miss Blizzard and how a lot of her insecurities stem from a desire to be seen and be heard and to be in the spotlight and get the attention that she feels she deserves, then perfectly this final character to talk about uh, would probably love nothing better than to finally go unnoticed. And so, of course, I'm talking about King. Mary, I know that you mentioned King earlier on in the episode and all of the joy and smiles that he brings you So do you want to go ahead and kick off this final character analysis for us? Let's do it. So so it's really fun to watch him because he looks like a superhero and he's actually he's qualified as a class S, which is, again, the maximum. And you're like, oh, he must be really strong. But what we find about King is that he's not strong at all. And he's a hero, an accident, mostly because he's seems to be there when Saitama's there. And since Saitama doesn't really look like a hero, King gets the credit. And so nobody knows who Saitama is, but everyone knows King. And so you have this like really funny relationship and then he's he's super cowardly. He'll run away and he's like, I really don't want to be a hero. And instead, um, he's happy to let other heroes step in so that he can just like disappear into into the shadows and never be seen again and rather stay home and play video games there's there are moments when he gets called into a battle and he's like no i'm battling myself and you see him like playing a video game where he's battling a monster on screen so 
and then he has this relationship. Uh, Saitama obviously like finds out what happens accidentally. And then they form a relationship. And Saitama doesn't really care that he's taking his credit. It's more about like, well, who do you want to be in this situation? And again, that's one of those brilliant Saitama moments that he just is and he inspires something different. Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't gauge if King actually even has a desire to be a hero at this point. <laughs> like he he might have had that goal or that ambition at the start, but there's just so much reluctance and victimization in his space around it now. And that's the best part to me in terms of the the comedic aspect of all of this is you have King who is constantly keeping up and playing up this facade when he doesn't actually have any desire to do so. If anything, it's the opposite. It's like, no, dude, don't talk me up. Don't give me more attention. I want to get myself killed out here one day because I have no idea what the frick I'm doing. And so, you know, we could look at authenticity we could look at power, but I actually think that some of those purposes would be fixes for King's situation. And so where I might look with him as something that's totally outside of fixing his circumstances is to look at him having a life from joy. Like what if he could create his entire life and all of his experiences from a joyful place? And even as an example, like what if he could enjoy accidentally getting all of this credit. I'm not saying that he should keep the credit. And I do believe that Saitama should jump in and get what what's rightfully his. And that's, you know, we've talked a little bit about what, why he hesitates or why he doesn't bother to do so. But I just think of what life could be like for King if he wasn't constantly victimized by how it was going. And instead he could find ways to laugh at himself, laugh at the circumstances and move on and generate something powerful. Oh, oh, so if you were coming from plan fun, like how would even a dire situation be different? If and and you can see this with King too a little bit more towards the end of the season. So spoiler alert, but he his conversations and his friendship with Saitama actually enable him to do something different, to actually stand next to him at one of the final battles. So you start seeing these small shifts, but it's like the connection isn't fully there. And that's where I'd love to work with all of them on. So if any of this strikes you, if you want to know more about Life Purpose, again, please reach reach out to us. If there are other characters that you feel like we should talk about, also let us know. There are so many in this series that are so much fun to explore and talk about. Yeah. And if you want to be a part of the conversation, don't forget that uh, on the day that this episode drops, which is around 9 a.m. on a Friday, later that same evening, around 6 p.m. Eastern, Mary and I will be going live on our Coach Taku Instagram account, which is at Coach Taku Pod. Uh, Don't forget you could join us, leave some comments, ask us some questions ahead of time, uh, watch some of our coaching friends join us and potentially create some R-rated coaching content, uh, which is an inside joke. Go watch our last live if you don't know what I mean. And for now, thank you so much for taking time to support us, to listen to this episode. Don't forget, you could send us your suggestions to our Gmail account, coachtakupod at gmail.com. And we will catch you in the next episode. Thanks so much, everyone. Well, next time. You're subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Have an idea for an episode or show you'd love us to discuss? DM us on our Insta, Coach Taku Pod, C O H C H T A C U 
P-O-D, or email us at coachtakupod at gmail.com. Love your wonderful host. In that case, you can follow me, Christina, at herextinaroar on Instagram. And you can follow Mary at mary, M-E-R-Y, dot the nerdy coach. Thanks so much. Catch you in the next one.